All right, how about a little quiz time? See what you've been taught. The book of Esther, and no, I'm not going to mention that it doesn't have the word God in it. It doesn't actually have that word in there. That's not what I'm going to quiz you about. If one thing comes to mind, one verse, one scripture, one statement, just in general, comes to mind from the book of Esther, what is it? Uh, what? What? 10-9. I need to hear it. Come again? What? For such a time as this. Exactly. For such a time as this. And the for such a time as this statement, do we ever think about what follows that? Because we all remember that story where Mordecai tells his cousin Esther, maybe you're in the king's court for the rescue of and the saving of our people. And it inspires us to think that maybe in the many places where we find ourselves, even if it's dangerous, maybe we're there for the good of God's kingdom. But let's look at the whole context. Esther chapter 4, verse 13. Because the edict has already been made by the king, Haman has schemed, and all of the Jews are going to be destroyed. Mordecai sent this reply to Esther, don't think for a moment that because you're in the palace you will escape when all other Jews are killed. If you keep quiet at a time like this, deliverance and relief for the Jews will arise from some other place, but you and your relatives will die. Who knows if perhaps you were made queen for just such a time as this? He's not saying that she's the only one who can do it, that there will be deliverance, but he is asking her, maybe the reason you are there is to be part of God's deliverance. And then her reply is what I want us to take note of. Esther sent this reply back to Mordecai. You go and gather together all the Jews of Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. My maids and I will do the same. And then, though it is against the law, I will go in to see the king. And if I must die, I must die. So Mordecai went away and did everything as Esther had ordered him. You know, it's one thing for us to remind people, hey, who knows, for just such a time as this, I've been guilty of that talking to people and saying, hey, I think I've got your future all mapped out for you for just such a time as this, for just such a time as this. you got to be, you know, got to be bold, seize the day, carpe diem, for just such a time as this. But honestly, the statement that Mordecai is saying is not some rah-rah to try to get people to, to go to the next level. What it is, in fact, is an admission that we have to be obedient wherever God places us. And that Maybe God uses us for His plans. We have to be obedient. And then the reply from Esther says, I hear you. Now what I need you to do is be in prayer. Because she can't do this alone. And if she's going to be called in to go and speak to the king, even though it may cost her her life, then she wants Mordecai and everyone else that he can round up to pray. Church, we have so many opportunities to pray for one another. 
And just like that song about the candle, nobody's alone. Nobody needs to be frustrated. We can encourage one another. And we did that last week when we had an impromptu call to prayer. And now it's just a little more organized, but it's the same idea. We want to pray. We want to pray for those and let them know that whatever they're, they're going through in school, whatever their school may be, they've got people praying for them and it started today. And they'll have a reminder of that. So what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to ask all of our students, anywhere from pre-K to college, some of you are going back to college tomorrow or maybe next week, would you stand up if you are a student? I want you to just remain standing. I want you to see all of our students. I, whether you're in a public school, whether you're in a private school, whether you're in a college uh, if you're going to cooking school, I want you, you're a student. And maybe God has a place for you. This is Jordan Brown. He's one of our shepherds. And in fact, I know God has a place for you. We just got to figure out what that is together. Jordan's going to lead a prayer for all of you. Let me say to all of you who are standing around with them, one of the signs of a blessing is the, the laying on of hands. And in whatever way is appropriate, and we have to talk about that these days, but maybe if you're the parents... It's okay to show that connection, to say that you're praying for those students. If you're a mentor, if you're just somebody who cares about somebody in your neighborhood, if you feel so moved and want to show them that sort of support, then you go ahead and do that now. And Jordan, you got anything to add to that? Sounds good to me. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful for these students realizing that these people are the future of our country, of especially our churches and our homes. Um, so we pray for them. Father, as they begin a new school year, we pray for their safety. We pray that as they travel to and from school, that you will keep them safe in the bus route, in the parent pickup line, walking or biking to school. We pray for their safety. While they are learning, we pray for their safety from anyone who would do them harm. Yes. Whether it be from bullies, whether it from be intruders on campus, from anyone trying to physically or emotionally or spiritually cause them damage. Father, we pray that during this school year that, we will, that you will help them make deep and meaningful friendships. Father, that they can be a positive influence on all of those around them. Father, that they can find those without friends or have a hard time making friends and be a friend to them and shine your light through them. Father, we pray for academic success. We pray for good grades. We pray for, for our students to study, um, to excel, um, to achieve goals that they set for themselves, that the teachers set for them, that administrators set for them. Uh, we pray for success for each one of these students. Father, we pray for peace for the absence of anxiety, for the absence of stress. Father, please help them get through this year, um, especially those who are starting a new school, whether it just be a new building, whether it be a new town, um, even those that, that are going off to college um, and may not know a soul in the town that they're going to be starting school in. We pray for your peace. Father, primarily we ask that they remember whose they are yes. and that they keep you with them and that they know that you're with them, that they know that you love them yes. um, and that you are always there. Father, help them to rely on their family here at West Ark. 
uh, to reach out if they need that. Father, we pray all of this because we think it will honor Jesus, and it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Thank you, David. That's a, um, we're, we're thankful for how you've used the, uh, the lessons and the teaching and the encouragement that people have put into you on mission trips and then to share that encouragement with us today. All of our young people have encouraged us. I hope you, you feel that. Not only encouraged us because of their example, but they've encouraged us because you see that they're just as interested in this and they care about this just as much as we do. And we can keep encouraging one another as we go. Now, I said we're going to bless another group, and it's a group of people who have the place. They may be here for just such a time as this to share the gospel and to speak of Christ. Because sometimes people may not know what to know of Christ, and they may not know Christ until they meet someone who does know Christ. And it may just show up in the, the ordinary way that you live your life, or really in this world today, an extraordinary way that you live your life just by being obedient. It always seems like at moments like this we get unnerved about the idea of, yeah, but our hands are tied, church and state. And I don't think any of that stopped any of us so far. And in fact, uh, sometimes what we may need to do is we may need to present a better image of a disciple of Jesus than some who are claiming to be disciples of Jesus and are not acting very much like Jesus. That may be a lot of our calling in this day and age. When we first started the back-to-school blessing in Lake Jackson, and that's where I was first involved in this tradition, we had the prayer for teachers and school workers. Uh, it's, just, it's a catch-all. And I didn't really understand the need for it then. Not that I was opposed to it. I just didn't understand. Oh, wait, I, think, I thought we were blessing students. We've all got students. Yeah, we've got teachers. We've got people who work in the schools here. Do we just throw them in with everybody else, or do we kind of you, you know, treat them as a separate group? I'm married to a teacher. My wife was a school teacher in Abilene, and those were pretty good days. By the time we got to Lake Jackson, she was out of teaching for a while and, and raising our children. But it was through the ones who were involved in teaching. Because in Lake Jackson, you work for two companies, Dow Chemical or the school district. That's it. I know. Somebody will say, well, there's a few others. Well, not that anybody noticed. You gotta, I'm, I'm serious. In that town, they, they don't ask you where you work. They say, what plant are you at? That's, that's right. My answer often was, I work for a subsidiary of Dow. And it's called the Lake Jackson Church of Christ. Um, I'd like to, to come and be a part of it. But it was the teachers. And it was our friend Clara, who's actually been here worshiping with us at this church. Clara was a single mom in those days. She, um, she was given a job that was meant to be a job that she wasn't going to stay in. She was given the assignment of being the principal at one of the toughest schools in the district. Everybody else 
had gotten out of it as quickly as possible or they had burned out quickly. But Claire is a single mom. And if they're going to give her this option, she's going to take it seriously. And she turned that school around just by being her. She didn't necessarily know more about education than any of the other people who had been there. She didn't necessarily have more experience than some of the other people who had been there before. In fact, when her name first came up, a lot of people thought, really, Clara? I mean, she hadn't been at this for very long. She's not going to last very long. And I think it was that fear of lasting very long that made her do just what Queen Esther does, which is, you get everybody praying for me, and if I die, I die. But I'm going to be obedient to God. And she turned it around, and now she's out consulting schools, even schools in our state, to help them, to encourage them. She came here and worshipped with us one Sunday. Strange, I saw her here. She didn't even... She, she thought this was the church that I preached at, but then I saw her and I was like, oh, there's Clara. Wait, there's Clara. What's she doing here? And she said of this church right here, she said, I love this church. I love this West Ark church. And I said, well, you're a part of it. She notices the love that's here. And I want somehow, some way for her to share her stories with you. But it's because of her that we kept doing that. And it's because of her, because every year she'd say, are you going to pray for us this year? Because we can't make it without the prayers. She said, we pray when we get together as teachers. Somebody asked her once, they said, is that allowed? She said, no one's going to come shut us down. Nobody wants what we do down here. <laughs> we're going to just keep praying. And when they tell us to quit, we're just going to keep praying. And they weren't obnoxious. They weren't rude about it. It was just pure survival. And I want to say to you, our teachers, our employees, our school workers, I know you have days like that. I really know that you do. And I want you to remember that you are impacting lives for the good, even if nobody notices it. And that when you get worn out, when you get burned out, and, and we do this in ministry too, and it can become so dangerous to be burned out in ministry, and you don't even realize it, and you think nobody appreciates you, and those are all lies sent from the enemy. You need to turn to others and ask them to be your prayer support. That's one of the things I learned from Clara. That's one of the things that you see when you go to a place like Bulgaria. You realize, I might be in the minority here. I might be in the minority, and, and I might be the only one who knows Jesus or believes in Jesus. But as David can tell you, it's kind of exciting to be in that place and realize, I've got this shot. I've got this chance to share a universal, life-changing, life-giving hope with others but ask for prayer. Ask for prayer. Teachers, you're not alone, and I don't want you to give up. Now, I've been saying teachers a lot, and so i got to give the disclaimer part here. I say teachers, and I mean a lot of people. I don't even know all the jobs y'all have now. My wife's a teacher, but actually I think in her role now, what she's doing, it kind of reminds me of the people who make sure that sports teams are NCAA compliant. She's just making sure that all the special ed paperwork is done. You guys have got, so, and it, again, it's part of the issue. You have to take care of so many things. And I would love to collect all of your stories one day. People probably ask you to do some amazing stuff. You know? Can you help my child learn how to drive a car? You know, or something like that. You know? Can you teach them how to tie their shoes? Well, no, they're supposed to already know that. Especially when they're in the 12th grade, you know. I mean, I don't, uh, 
Go buy, go buy some Skechers. I don't know. But you have to do so much, and we get it. I'll, so I'm including everybody. If you're a teacher, if you're admin, if you drive a bus, if you work in the cafeteria, whatever it is, if you drove past a school last week and you want a blessing, why don't you just stand up right now so we can see you and pray for you? All of our, if you teach in a public school, if you teach in a private school, if you teach in a welding school, whatever it is, I want you to stand up. You deserve a blessing, and we want to pray for you. And again, come on up, Brian. If it's, if it's appropriate for those of you around who can want to encourage them, show that connection by putting a hand on their shoulder and saying that you support them. And one of our shepherds, Brian Robbins, is going to pray now for all of you. As, as Chris has said, and many of you already know this, but regardless of your position, when you work in a school, you're supporting students and you play a critical role. And sometimes that's forgotten. And like Chris said, we always think about our students and teachers. Certainly they play a very critical role, but it's all of you working together that helps schools to be successful. And I, I just want to mention, I, I know as teachers, Sometimes it's difficult in that you have to deal with people that are immature, deal with anger, people crying, uh, people that are just frustrating to work with. And then on top of that, you work with students. So it's, uh, it's a difficult role sometimes. And I think a lot of teachers will tell you that it's the older ones that they work with, like adults rather than the kids that are are most challenging. But if you would, pray with me, please. Father, I appreciate this day that we bless and appreciate and um, give honor to those that are helping to educate our children regardless of their role. I pray that you would bless them with wisdom, protection, patience, um, help parents to know how we can support our teachers. Father, I pray that... Um, You'll help our teachers to fill the needs of the students that they work with. Father, I also want to pray for encouragement. I pray that we appreciate our teachers and encourage our teachers just as they encourage the students that they work with. Uh, it's such a critical role, Father, that uh, certainly sets people off on a good start in their life, as has been mentioned already, but it's so critical what we learn and the teachers and all those working in our school systems play a, a very important role in making that happen. So I pray, Father, that you would bless them, keep them close to you, keep them safe, and uh, help them as they work with uh, students and help them to be successful in uh, working with those young people and helping them to grow uh, throughout this school year. All these things I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. One of the things I've mentioned is maybe you have an opportunity to share the gospel. And we want to help you discern that. But you may be, you may be showing, first of all, that you're living the gospel, and that's good. And it may invite questions that people will ask you. And as the Apostle Peter says, be ready to give someone an answer for the hope that you have and do so with gentleness and respect. 
just real quickly, let me say a few things, and again, we can teach on this at length, but I want you to be prepared. Somebody may ask you, well, you know, what does it mean to be a Christian? What do I have to do to be a Christian? What am I going to have to do to make sure I go to heaven or I'm saved? They may phrase that question in all sorts of ways. Make sure first that they know what God has done for them. We can tell people what to do, but do they know, first of all, what God has done for them? Do they know that? Because everything else that we do after that is a lot of busyness if they don't understand or know first what God has done for them. And the message of the gospel, the good news is, first of all, God is on our side. Because so many people that you encounter are going to believe that God is out to get them. They're going to believe that God doesn't love them, that God doesn't care for them, that God is going to be just as judgmental as some of the people that they've run into in their lives, maybe even people in different churches that they've run into. What David was telling you about Bulgaria, some of the folks have just given up on God because they can't believe in a, what they see as a mythical being who's nothing more than a bully. And I try to tell them, that's not God. That is a myth. God is a creator. God is a Father. God came to us, sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to come near to us to rescue us. He is a rescuer. He is a deliverer. And even Esther in that story, even though she's not completely confident that she will survive going to the king, she is confident that God will deliver and save His people. Make sure people know that God has given His own for their salvation, then you can talk to them about what it means to accept that, what it means to enter into the kingdom. That we're not doing anything to earn that. We're not doing anything to acquire that. This isn't some sort of insurance that we go out and buy. This isn't some sort of hidden secret that we have to know so that we have the password to get into the gates of heaven. All this is, is surrender. Those of you who've been saved through heart surgery, you know that your only duty in that was to show up. You had to show up and submit yourself to those who could do the work that would save your life. We show up. We meet Christ in the waters of baptism. We follow His life. We are buried in the waters of baptism just as He was buried. We are raised just as He was raised from the dead. And now we walk in that newness of life. It's not a thing that we do to get saved. It's a submission to His saving obedience. That's what it is. And baptism is the first watery step of a life of obedience and submission to Him. Now, we can talk to people about that. We need to tell them about our own baptism and why it mattered. We need to talk to them about how we understand that. And maybe you have questions about that today and want to talk about it. But we follow the instructions and the teachings of the One who has saved us because as we read in 1 Corinthians 1.18, He is still saving us. The Gospel is foolishness to those who are perishing, to those who are dying, decaying, withering away. But to those of us who are being saved, it is 
the wisdom of God. Now, that was short enough. And there's yet so much more that can be said, not because it's complicated, but because it matters so very much. I want to tell you that not only so you can hear it, but maybe you need to share that with somebody else. We're going to, I'm going to ask, uh, um, we got one more song. Is that right, Josh? We got one more song. And, you know, during this song, if you need to talk to somebody about the gospel, or you, let that be known today. And then John Priester is going to send us out in prayer. But let's stand, and I want to ask the Lord to bless all of us, okay? Father, here we stand before you, your children, your disciples. And Father, we come to you at, at every Sunday after Sunday, some days we feel so very close to you and we feel so confident knowing that your love and your mercy surrounds us, knowing that, that, that we have been obedient and sometimes the doubts and the fears and the mistakes of the past condemn us and fill us with shame. And so Father, we turn to you and we ask that you would work your power of mercy and forgiveness, and that you would fill us with your Spirit so that we might be able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine. Father, I pray that your gospel will do its work as it has been preached, as it has been proclaimed, that we understand what it means to repent, to turn from the, the pain and the anguish and the sinfulness and the brokenness of this world and to rely on you and your kingdom looking forward to that home of righteousness. And that we're already getting washed up and clean, preparing for that day when we will live in your kingdom forever. Father, we ask all of this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.